Welcome to Off The Bench Summer Edition. All the big news and views from sport. Can't wait for your canter? You don't have to. In stock now. See your Fuso dealer today. Yeah, welcome to it. Off The Bench uh, NRL off-season. Scotty Sattler, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thank you, welcome Scotty. Thank you. Yeah, very polite, aren't we? Thank you very much. Here. I tell you what's been good. We've been sitting here watching old Origin games from the uh, early 90s. How good was it? Oh, so good. Outstanding. Yeah, it was a big week of sport. Of course, the World Cup's still on. Great performance. We're going to get to that as well uh, from Glenn Maxwell. But, yeah, it's one of the biggest weeks of the sporting calendar this week. Uh, former Sydney Kings legend Brad Rosen joins us. Uh, Sox Stephen O'Keefe. Uh, we get the Glennie Maxwell press conference. Three burning questions. Will the ARL... Resign Mao, Anzac Day Tess and Cam Green. Chris Nelson has got a Racing Queensland uh, update for us. But before we get into Brad Rose, and let's jump into our dig this week. View the range of Sherlock uh, lastlonger.com.au. I'm just having a 10-second dig, uh, and I know you disagree, so don't even get involved. Just Eddie Jones. Just shut up. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> he hasn't handled himself that well over the whole process, but... Anyway, just shut having, up, Eddie. I'm having a dig at English rugby, uh, English cricket. Oh yeah, what for winning? Just whinging, whining. I just nutmegging. Oh, is nutmeg the word of the week? We should do that. Word of the week N- this week, kids, is nutmegging. Nutmeg of the week. <laughs> From the job site to your backyard, uh, light and load with Sherlock. Available at Bunnings Warehouse. Okay, Brad Rosen, former Sydney Kings star. Uh, now a commentator, isn't he pumped about the Bullets and the Sydney Kings uh, Sunday afternoon? You can hear it here on SEN. He joined us during the week. Can I see Fred Rose again driving half the basket. Uh, Brad Rosen, uh, Brad Rosen uh, driving hard to the basket with some music behind it. Um, I can tell you he's not dead. Uh, he's on the show. It wasn't, it wasn't a memorial video or anything like that. Former Sydney Kings star. And he's here tonight, Sats, to preview the big clash this weekend with the Kings taking on an informed Bullets. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is going to be a ripper game. Bit different, uh, the situation when they last played. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Aaron Baines, he was suspended when the Kings last played uh, the Bullets. And since that, the Bullets have what, won five, four or five on the trots. Uh, it's a different team the Kings are facing this week. They're on fire and, and, and loving what I'm seeing of the Bullets. Um, you know, they were okay at the beginning of the season. They've got a new coach, Justin Schuler, who was coming out of Melbourne and been with Dan Vickerman down there for a number of years. Coach at Australian representative junior levels as well. And, you know, messages were out. How's this going to go now when Aaron Baines got suspended? But you've got to give it to the coach. He's turned this thing around. Obviously, plenty of meetings. Everyone's bought into the system. And they are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Hey, Brad, just on, you mentioned Aaron Baines, who's one of the, you know, the big signings, of course, and um, garners probably the most amount of uh, uh, attention. Now, that, that incident, that uh, off-the-court incident, what was made of that in relation to those who are involved in the game? Because from the outside looking in, I looked at that footage and thought uh, opposition coach, coach yeah. got in the face of Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines retaliates. So... To an outsider, what else was going on around the around the scene there? 
Yeah, look, I mean, a lot happened on the court uh, prior to that. So there was a the, there was a little melee that that happened on the court, yep. and then uh, obviously you saw the the videoing in the exchange uh, outside the change rooms. Now, from the report that came out, um, the coach Adam Ford, who's an ex Sydney Kings coach, mm. uh, he he was in the locker room waiting uh, to talk to his team. Aaron Baines has come out. Some words has been had. And then you saw what's happened. Look, the NBL looked at it. Um, they said that uh, Coach Ford had nothing to answer. There was obviously some video footage. And I, I, from what I understand, um, you, you could hear what was going on as well. And uh, the NBL Tribunal gave Aaron Baines five games, but three for that altercation. There was two that happened within the game. So, look, he's served it. Um, it's happened. And they've moved on now, the Bullets, and, and, and they're looking great. Yeah. Are you happy with the Kings? Uh, well, you must be. Recent years, they're kind of the the Penrith Panthers of the NBL, aren't they, Satch? You yeah. know, they've they've won back to back. Yeah, they yeah. You must be happy as a former player, Brad. Yeah, yeah. The um the the Penrith Panthers are the Sydney Kings of the NRL, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, they are. It's very similar that way. The Kings have been outstanding, but this year. They lost their whole starting five. So to put that in football equation, Matthew Brewster's fan myself, that's like losing your spine. You're one, six, seven, and nine, right? Mm. So it's like using your spine. They've lost that, and they lost the coach as well. So you lose your, you know, six people that are an absolute core to this team, and you are start asking questions. Geez, how are they going to go? And to be great, you know, they've been really good. Um, they've had some hiccups, which I expected. I don't think we'll see the best of them until January. But right now, they're playing great basketball. Or they're getting the wins they need, and this is going to be a tight one against Brisbane on Sunday. You right over there, mate? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was just <laughs> knocking everything around the office here, Brad. Now, um, Quat Nui played his hundredth game. Was it last week yeah. against the Breakers? So, like, yeah. like a lot last of the other week. codes, do they do they celebrate games played milestones like they do in other codes? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. One one hundreds, one fifties, two hundreds, whatever it may be. I was lucky enough when I. Got to my 100th game. The Kings gave me a little plaque and everything, which was very special, special for my family as well. So, yeah, I love it. Hey, is there a little bit extra, is there a bit of extra spice uh, when these two teams meet? Is it, is it like, obviously... Is there a state of origin is it, is it? Yeah, is it a state of origin, Phil? <laughs> Look, there's always spice, but to be honest with you, with the NBL, there's 10 teams and I think every game's got a bit of spice. It's Sydney, Melbourne, it's Sydney, Brisbane, it's Sydney, Perth. Back Practically, if you live outside of Sydney, you hate them. So anyone that plays against the Kings, it's it's a bit of spite. But this one will be Nathan Sobey's coming into town. He's playing well. He's been good, hasn't uh, he? Like I said, that, that he's been great. And um, would you say he's Sobe's been doing what he's doing? The... Sorry, sorry, Brad. Would you say he's been the best yep. in the NBL so far this year? Oh, look, he's been up there. Um, you know, to me, the best at the moment, I think, is, is probably like a Milton Doyle or, or Crawford from Tasmania. And, you know, there's been some, some great players. Even Mitch Creek from, um, you know, southeast Melbourne has been great. Um, but, look, Sobey's right up there. Uh, he's He's been playing great, scoring well. But you've got to give it, I love it, Bannon. Uh, he's a new, he's I a love new him. Josh Bannon. He's, he's love coming him. through. Yeah, he's a rookie and, and, I, and I, he's a lefty. And they're always hard to guard and good shooters, the lefties. So 
I would expect him to have another big game. And, and um, you know, they're, they're, they're going so well. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I just can't wait for this one to tip off. And they don't have a game before because in basketball, you can have two games, you know, on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad both teams don't have a game before. They'll be rhyme, primed or watch a lot of video and they'll be, really be ready. So I think it's going to be one for the coaches as well. They've got to make sure they coach really well. Sats, I don't know if you've seen uh, Josh Bannon in action. I think he's only played five games, but he does not look like a basketball. Apart from the tallness, he looks more like a, <laughs> yeah. a cross between a choir boy and a mathematician. <laughs> um, out of all the things that I could think Josh Bannon is, the choir boy mathematician didn't come to mind, but it's not bad. It's not bad at all. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I can't believe when we look at the, some of the ages of, of some of the sportsmen and women playing at the top, and we look at this uh, Rocco Zakarski, who's what seventeen years of age. He's seven foot yeah. two, seven foot three. Yeah. Uh, it's been a, a bit of a, yeah. I suppose it's been a, a bit of a, a pathway to the NBA. A lot of players coming out from the college system, playing in Australia. I know he's an Aussie boy, but where does the future? What's the future hold for him? Will we see him in the NBL long, or do you feel as though that someone will snap him up in a draft? I don't expect to see him long at all. So the the NBL did a fantastic program about four seasons ago called The Next Star. So what that does is you bring out what we class as the next star and they play. Then they're good enough to go in the draft. We've had a number of players. LaMelo Ball and Josh Giddy are probably the two biggest. Now, LaMelo Ball just signed a $300 million contract. So he did all right out of it. And Josh Giddy. Uh, is still in his rookie contract, so he'll earn, I don't know, whatever it is, 30, 40, 50 million over four years. Then he'll sign his big 300 million, I would expect, max deal at the end of this year, so or end of this season, which will be, you know, May, June of next year. So the next stars has been amazing. There's a guy in Perth at the moment called Alex Saar. He's predicted to go number two next year in the NBA. Oh. And Rocco, who you're talking about, Get down and watch him play because these kids won't be here that long. They're great. They're outstanding basketballers. Australia's talent is second and none. We have another guy who I expect to go high next year, Tyrese Proctor. He's currently playing at Duke University, and they're projected him to go 14. So basketball has never been better in Australia, and these kids coming out... Mm. They are quality and they are huge in the world of basketball. Sats and I spoke about that before we came on air tonight about why, and we spoke to you briefly on before the interview, basketball, the, the mm. NBL is doing an amazing job with its marketing. You know, it's not in your face. Yeah. Why, why is basketball and NBL in Australia doing so well, yet A-League struggles? What is the magic that the NBL is sprinkling around to get, you know, people at games and also watching it? Well, I think the first thing would say is, is, you know, I'm one, obviously played it my whole life. It's a fantastic sport to watch and to go to the venue live. It is outstanding. But I've got to really put it to a simple equation, and that's Larry Kesselman. Larry Kesselman, who's the owner of the NBL, took over this, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was, and he had a vision. And it's probably cost him a lot of money, this vision, but it's paying off. And, you know, a bad crowd now is ten to 12,000 at the Sydney Kings. 
And, mm. you know, that was three and 4,000 10 years ago. Paul Smith, the owner of the Kings, doing a great job. All these owners are filling their stadiums. And when it's full, it's great. TV rights are up. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to be part of the commentary team. The clicks that are on socials are up and we get a lot of data on all of that. And to be honest, there's just so many kids playing basketball. I mean, I see it all day, every day. And it, it is really a fabulous sport to be involved with. It's, it's, it's safe and uh, indoors, which helps if it's raining yeah, and cold. Yeah. So fantastic. And, and you've got a pathway to the NBA. I mean, how good is that? You know, well, you, if you're good you've enough. got a pathway to millions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. you've got a pathway to millions. You make the NBA, you know, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, Ben Simmons at the moment is, uh, you know, was born here in Australia. He's earning $60 million a season. And, yeah, um, wow. you know, the, the money's there. And, and, and it's, it's not like, you know, me growing up playing basketball, I was looking at guys like Mark Jordan and Scotty Pippen and all these guys and just thinking, there's just no way. That's, you know, that, that just doesn't happen. Mm. Well, it is now. Yeah, and fantastic. these guys are playing. And, you know, obviously you could probably argue one of our greatest Australian players would be um, Paddy Mills. And, you know, look what he's done. He's forged an, an, an amazing career in the NBA. So, privileged to be in the sport at the moment. Mate, um, well done. I'm not going to ask you for your tip because we know you're going to say the Kings. So, we won't even bother with that. I but... think Brisbane will do really well that the Kings will win. Yeah, there you go. What I tell you? <laughs> Backhanded compliment. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a foot, well, mostly in the Sydney camp. He's got a toe in the Brisbane camp. Uh, Brad Rosen, former Kings player, commentator. Thanks for your time on Sports Day. Go those kings. This is Off the Bench Summer Edition. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench Summer Edition. A six to bring up 200 and win the game. Everybody here's on their feet. Has anyone uh, done a health check on Ian Smith, our colleague from SENZ in New Zealand? Because swear to God, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Uh, calling now, how good was that, boys? How good was that? Good call. Great oh. call. What a great moment to be there for as well. Oh, it would have been amazing. Of course, we weren't. Uh, you didn't even watch the cricket last night. I You're... thought we were going to win it that easy. I just thought, you know what, I need the sleep. And I went to bed finally at midnight. I've gone, I can't stay awake any I longer. I would have watched it. Stephen O'Keefe, did you watch it Watch it all last night? You know what, guys? Thanks for having me on. I was, um, I, I'm suffering a bit from jet lag. So I got back in from London on Saturday. And lo and behold, I woke up. The, the Afghanis were, were batting and, and cruising. You know, they were, they were one for 100 odd. I went to bed and I woke up with about 80 to go um, just out of just out of jet lag and just watched one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen. I think Ian Smith, he, he's been in the box seat, hasn't he, for some great moments. Oh, yeah. He's like the barest of all margins and now this one. Um, and he's right. It was it was the most remarkable innings. Uh, I don't think I've any, seen anything quite like a bloke injured. Um, you know, he hit 70% of the runs. And usually you think in one of those innings that he's just going to falter at the end. You know, they needed five off the last ball. He hits a six. He joins the 200 club. Belinda Clark's the only other Australian who's hit a 200 for Australia. Um, and he broke he broke all the records. Probably the greatest innings I've seen in, in ODI cricket. Wow. That's that's mm. amazing for, for the amount of cricket you've watched and played in uh, a soccer. Now, 
when we look at Pat Cummins, now we have a bit of we've had a bit of a joke about Pat Cummins, how he just you know, he could bat he batted for four days and he's a little bit watching like watching <laughs> Justin Langabat in his day. But uh Dirk Wellham. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk Wellham, the Dirk great Wellham. New South Welshman. Yeah, but he, he played oh, a pretty crucial Jeffrey role, Lucott, didn't he? Yeah. He played yes. a really crucial role. Yeah. Well, yeah, he comes in at seven for ninety one. Um or the Aussies were seven for ninety one and he faced sixty six balls. I mean, you just can't you can't script an, a, 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 a scorecard quite like it. You read through it, and no one else in the Aussie team has gotten close to really getting a start. Um, and then at the end, you've got someone like Pat Cummins, who is just like, all I need to do is survive. 11 off 66. It, ne- it will never, ever win you many matches, except when you're involved in a partnership mm. um, of 170, 180 plus. Um, quite remarkable. And I think Paddy summed it up pretty well in his comments, didn't he? He just said he's a freak and... And, you know, basically Glenn Maxwell chased down the score on his own, which I think is a fair statement. You know, when you've got to hand it to the big show, like he's played like this. How how long do you reckon for uh, Socky? What, 10, 12 years? He hasn't gone off yeah. script, has he? He's just kept at it. And, and event, I mean, he's, yeah, won, he's, he's won a few games off his own bat, but this one was just, yeah, he's, he's stuck at it. And he's copped a lot for it too, hasn't he? Well, I mean, you only have to go back uh, a couple of games. I forget the opponent where he went out first ball and Sky won, um, where the Aussies got to a fly with Marsh and Warner both getting hundreds. They promoted him to three and he hit one straight up in the air and was out first ball. And you're like, oh, here we go. This is the big show, just, you know, batting with a little bit of ego. And then the next game he comes out, hits 100 off 40. (laughs) And then a couple of innings later, he, he did the same. But you've got to remember, he was in the 2015 World Cup, so that's what eight or nine years ago, he's hit 150 off 60 odd balls in the Big Bash tournament. And you're quite right, Jay. It's it's just the way that he goes about his business. And I mean, there was just no. This guy was injured as well. He, he was cramping. Uh, he's coming off an injury that he, he got in a golf cart. Um, fell off a golf you can cart. See that in his sink, can't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fell off a golf cart. Unbelievable. Yeah, like the dog ate me homework, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But he um he was. It was remarkable. Uh, you know, he was cramping up the end and he could barely move, but the way he was getting his wrist through the ball, I, honestly, I don't reckon I've seen anything like Even for Glenn Maxwell's standards, mm. that was just unbelievable. Socky, you've played in those conditions. Ex- describe how oppressive those conditions would have been last night. Well, I mean, the stats paint a pretty ugly picture in regards to the toss. So winning the toss is huge, particularly at Wankety where they played. Um, you know, the highest batting first total in this tournament's been well over 370 and the highest chasing total, the average chasing total is 280. So Afghanistan were pretty methodical about the way they went about their business. They got over the line with 291, Rashid Khan um, getting some quick fire runs at the end. But you could notice when the Australians started their, when they were in their bowling spell in the middle of the heat, Pat Cummins was coming off after three overs. It was probably the hottest, I think Ian Smith said it, the hottest start to a one day that they basically had. Um, and then at, at night, it actually gets harder to bat. Not only is it hot and humid, um, but it's actually quite difficult to bat in those conditions. And the Aussies basically showed it, slumping to 7 for 91. There's not too many people who would have thought um, that the Aussies, you know, would have got out of that hole. But, um, you know, for Afghanistan as well, you've got to, you know, you've got to think yeah. about this side in their first World Cup. Um, you know, they've had four wins. They've knocked off some big names. Um, and if it hadn't been for a bit of brilliance and a little bit of luck, he got dropped at backwards square by Majeed, which was an absolute sitter. But, hey, let's not talk about that. Um, Afghanistan, we're, we're very, very good. And, and I think have proven a, a lot of people right in regards to why they should be included in the top 10 nations. 
Now, we're waxing lyrically about about the innings of Maxwell, but when you peel all the layers back, Socky, is there a few concerns mm. still for Aussies? I mean, with you know, oh. middle-order batting, our, you know, our pace bowlers have been, have been quite expensive at times because the, the pitches are probably not conducive to their bowling. So have we still got a few concerns? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Sats. I think, I think when you break the bowling down, probably not striking as much as we would like in the, in the opening power play, so the first 10 overs, um, is quite hard to do over there because it's so batter-friendly. When the ball's hard, it does come on nice. Um, and there is a little bit of worry, I think, in the middle order there. We can't expect Maxwell to you know, keep bailing us out of trouble. You know, we missed Steve Smith, um, who uh, was out with Vertigo. Uh, we did have Mitch Marsh back um, into the squad. So, look, I don't want to say it band-aids some problems, but I know that that batting group, I mean, it's good. It, it just highlights what this group's all about, you know. They win from any position. This is the team that lost the first two games. You know, everyone was out to get them. We're like, did they pick the right squad? I, I was saying they didn't. I said, you know, they're playing poor cricket, and they've been able to turn around and win games from unwinnable positions. So, look... Sign of a good side is, you know, when things aren't going well in the middle or not bowling well, like you said, that they still find a way to win. Um, and our performance against India in the first game, where we had them three for 20, almost four for 20, if we held on to a catch, probably stacks up pretty well against how other sides are playing against them, where they're mm. just, you know, cruising to victory. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish. You know, it's only taken me five games, but I've flipped onto the other <laughs> side now. I'm saying the Aussies are the one to beat. He's buying. <laughs> Hey, off the cricket, before we let you go, Socky, off the cricket, how's your future father-in-law? How did he, how did he uh, recover after the, uh, the grand final loss with the Broncos as an assistant coach? <laughs> John Cartwright is yeah, his yeah, future father-in-law. Yeah. 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 So we were watching the game and we started, we cracked, we cracked open the champagne when Ezra Mann ran in his third, oh, third line. Lexi was jumping up and down. She actually, she actually wet herself. So she won't be listening, right. but she, okay. she wet herself. She was that excited. Okay. Uh, I said, right, they can't lose from here. Lost the game. And I, I didn't even know what to say. I just said, mate, re- sorry, great season. He just gave us the stereotypical thumbs up, you know, like a, a blind middle-aged man would do. Just looks squinting at his phone, just hits the nearest emoji and sends it. Um, <laughs> but I didn't feel too bad about it because Lexi got the same emoji. So I was like, oh, I must have been one of the family. Um, oh. Yeah. But I think, he, I think he's a pretty pragmatic bloke. He just sort of said, oh, look, it just wasn't, wasn't to be. Um, and I'm like, yeah. Jesus. Like that, I don't know yeah. if I'd be taking it that well. Um, <laughs> um, you know, lost the unlosable game. But, uh, yeah, oh, well, like, look, you guys would know better than I do, but that Broncos score looks pretty good going forward. And Johnny's still there. He, he might also have a, a gig with the, the Blues if some rumours are confirmed. So I think he's in a pretty good space. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate, we're going to let you go. You've got, uh, you got some training coming up. Only a month until the Big Bash kicks off. Are you getting pumped for that? Oh, I'm getting fat. I, um, I, I've, I've, Must I've be that seat you sit in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For three hours a day, four days a week. No, I, I jumped on the scales and without giving too many numbers away, it puts me in the heavyweight class. So I'd be up against the likes of Anthony Joshua if I was a boxer. So, oh, um, yeah, I, I, won't, I won't be doing any skin folds tests. I'll just be rolling out there uh, and rolling them out, uh, so to speak. You so, can't be, you can't be uh, as big... You can't be as big as Tyson Fury. There's no chance. Socky's <laughs> yeah. yeah. got the same back fat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Socky. Yeah, anyway, look, we'll, I've got a month to put my head down. Good. We'll let you go, mate. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day. Thanks, Stephen Socky. O'Keefe. Good on you, Jase. Good on you, Stats.
Hey, uh, Glenn Maxwell, the big show, had a press conference, had, had a chat about that uh, innings of his. 201 not out. I was thinking, well, that's that's the end of our running. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a strange one because I was cramping in my, one of my toes, which was sort of going up the front of my shin. And then as I sort of set off to try and get down the other end, I cramped in my that calf as well. So I was cramping both sides of my lower leg. And as I went, oh, no, I'm cramping, I cramped in my left hamstring at the same time. So I was like, I've got both legs, and then I had a back spasm when I hit the ground. <laughs> so I was just like full body, just in pain. But um, once I sort of calmed my breathing down and had the physio out there and sort of talked me through it, um, what it was going to be like, and had one person pushing my foot, one person lifting my leg. It was a strange... I've never been in a position where I've had full body cramps like that, and I sort of felt it coming on um, a few hours before that, and was just hoping that I could sort of get through. And uh, once we once we stayed at um, the same end for a couple of overs, I felt like I was starting to get a little bit of movement back, but um, it actually probably made the whole job a little bit more simple. I wasn't sort of um, overthinking the situation. I just knew if I got a ball that I could hit, I'd try and hit it. Have you, so you, you haven't had full body cramps before, but the, this thing where you're standing still and hitting shots, I've seen people practice that. Have, have you practiced that before, or is that the first time you've ever kind of batted like that? Uh, no, nah, I've done it before. Um, it's it's when I sort of try, I get into a really nice rhythm. I don't feel like I need to do a lot of, I suppose, foot and body movement. Um, I did it a few. I actually did it against Afghanistan in, um, I think it was 2015. Um, I think it was a left arm, or I stood dead still, and was able to use my hands to sort of flick one over deep square and. Um, I just feel like it doesn't give away any cues. It doesn't. I don't sort of have any pre-movements. Uh, I'm not moving around too much, and um, and I, I practice. I, you do like I suppose no foot drills, um, working on your hand speed, which I've done in the past. But I suppose just trying to um, find a ball that you can maybe hit for a boundary, and knowing that you're not going to be running ones and twos, or um, yeah, just trying to find a gap, and um, hopefully you get a ball you can sort of flick into a gap. How close did you come to retirement? Uh, it was certainly in our discussions. Um, we talked about uh, coming off, um, trying to get some uh, work, I suppose, into my back and um, trying to loosen up, I suppose, my legs a little bit. Um, Jonesy, the physio, actually said it would be really hard for you to come back out down the stairs after that, so probably made the job a little bit more simple and then we, we, we came up with let's just stay at the same end for as, a lot, as long as we can until you sort of feel like you can I suppose at least walk at the other end or um, if there's an easy single here and there but um, yeah for a while there was if, we, if I can get one or two boundaries from one end it didn't really matter what happened the other end because we got it to a round of run a ball at that stage so um, there, was, there was certain planning it didn't wasn't all just like chaotic um, swinging but uh, there was a bit of planning to it. You said like there were no running ones and twos, but you're doing your penguin walk up and down. How did that come out? Like, and was it your decision where a couple of times back to look a little surprised that you were coming across? There was one there where Rashid tried to stop it with his foot and it trickled to Long On, and I think Long On had already turned around, and I was like, I think I can get to the other end here, <laughs> like really slowly, but um, I felt that if I could keep my legs nice and straight, I could get down the other end. Um, someone said it was like a bit like Jane Savile walking, like <laughs> doing, doing the was it 40k walk or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, I, I, as I said, I had we had those couple of overs where I, we both stayed at the same end for a little bit, um, 
and it probably just gave me enough of a refresher. I was getting enough drinks um, in between overs. Um, it felt like they were taking a bit of time anyway at the other, in between overs as well, so didn't feel like we were holding up the game too much. Um, I suppose there's always that risk as well. At what point did you uh, actually you think? Yeah, at what point did you actually think this is doable, like I can get a solo ride? Uh, it's a good question. I, I think when Paddy was Paddy was pretty calm. I think when it got to about maybe 60 or 70, I thought two two more maybe half decent overs around 15. Um, it's it's right in the balance here. We knew that um, Rashid. I knew Rashid had about 18 balls left. I think in the that it was going to happen in the last 13 overs or something like that. So as long as we sort of kept him out of game, I felt like. I could I could hit boundaries off the others, um, uh, so it was sort of more about I suppose negating him, not letting him um, have a shot at the rest of the tail, and because um, he's obviously world class, he can he can hit you on the pad, he can beat you both sides of the bat. So I just felt like if we could um, negate him and um, keep him out of the the back end of the game, we'd be all right. Jane Savile, come. Jane Savile, Jane Savile had. Uh, Three reds. You only had the two, though, when you were uh, almost out on uh, 27. What was your mind there? Well, it felt plum because I I was trying to cover my stumps. Whenever I was in defence, I was trying to cover my stumps, and I didn't really care if I inside edged or outside edged, as long as I was covering them. And I just the line my fr front foot went down was just the wrong line. My bat just wasn't in the right spot. Um, turned perfect amount and just beat the inside edge. And I was so angry with myself that as soon as I got hit, I, f I just fell out. Um, and Paddy straight away actually said, I think that's going over the top. It actually bounced quite a bit, and you're a long way forward. And I was like, not sure about that. It didn't, it didn't feel very good. And it was actually it was perfect timing because it sort of kicked me into, all right, I've just got to be a bit more aggressive. I've got to be a bit more proactive to make them bowl wider, make them sort of keep it away from the stumps. And that's why I started slog sweeping and, and trying to sort of move around the crease a little bit more. Can you believe in the last two weeks you scored the Krugers World Cup century by anyone uh, in the first 200 in a winning run chase and form off a golf cart? It's been a busy couple of weeks, all since my family arrived. So, it's, um, yeah, it's been weird, weird couple of weeks. But, yeah, extremely grateful, I suppose, to be able to um, get back out here and make the semis. I think after the first two games we were pretty close to written off by most people and um, to be able to get string six wins together at the right time um, and we didn't have our best stuff tonight um, against a, a pretty spirited opposition so to, to be in the semis um, is a great feeling and hopefully we enjoy a few days in Pune. I'll stay away from the golf carts. Does it feel like the specialist thing you've ever done? That, that that's the most special moment of your career? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. As I said, it's it's so fresh at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm a bit numb to it. Um, it was great. It was great fun. It just felt like it was me and Paddy just having fun out there, and um, I'll probably reflect a little bit more over the next few days, and hopefully recover and get some movement back in my hamstrings and calves, but um, yeah, it's a bit broad at the moment. This is Off The Bench Summer Edition. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench Summer Edition. Welcome back to the show. Time for three burning questions. Uh, we're doing it for Toolkit Depot, tools, equipment, safety gear uh, and workwear. The man... 
I swear to God now, if you when you get on the radio and you tell a story, if it takes longer than two minutes, we're timing you out. You'll be the first person on Australian radio to be timed out. Agree, Sats? Well, no, there's a, there's other listeners that we've had that where you play never-ending story. That's our version of timing out. Yeah, right. Mm. So it has happened before. Yeah, but to listeners, you'll be the first producer. Radio, mate, you've got three burning questions for Sats and myself. Uh, go. Now, Cam Green offered himself up during the week. To right? what? To who? To be what? axed. Oh. oh. I yeah. thought they'll... Passing the keys around. I don't, agree, I don't agree with it. If you're a competitive sports person, you fight for your position. Hang yeah. on. Are you asking right. the question or are you doing the opinion bit? I'm asking the question. What okay. would you do? If you're in Cam Green's shoes so and, he and, said, you, and you knew Maxwell and Marshall were coming back into the side. So what did he say? He said, I'll step aside if it's for the best of the side. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it represents an amazing sports person, sportsman um, and, and teammate. Um, maybe he's just trying to send hey, a Justin, message. Hey, Justin, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> maybe he's trying to send a message to the coach that uh, I'm all about the team, but deep down he would have this burning desire to be the one that's selected over Marsh and, and Maxwell. Yeah, you've got to be careful what you wish for. If you, if, cause he's not getting picked ahead of them, mate. He's, he, he's a replacement player. Yeah, but in saying that, well, he wasn't when he went over there. He was in the side when he went over. But in saying that, be careful what you wish for because – Dropping players is a really tough discussion that coaches have to have at times. Mm. But if you make it easy for a coach to drop you mm. and leave you out for whatever reason, you become that player that is always easy to give the bad news to. Out of all our all-rounders, bowling all-rounders or batting all-rounders, he's fourth in line anyway. So. Well, he is now. Oh, but, mate, yeah, yeah. He, so he, he knows in, that. He's he went only, in first, yeah. but Well, he didn't go in first. We still have a few people to return well, from injury. Well, he had the position. I mean, he had the position. He was sort of given the opportunity to be first cab off the rank. He hasn't been outstanding. No. Had an important innings the other day against England. Yeah, he, he better. Well, I, yeah. I reckon he's a test player. Yep. But, um... Yeah, to answer your question, I've always felt that if you make it easy for the coach to leave you out, you'll always be the player the coach has no problems giving bad news to. I'd say it if I knew I was fourth in line. Good on him. He's been a good team player. All right. Number two, uh, if you were the ARL, would you re-sign Mal Meninga? Now he's on. He's off contract. Yep. I'm, 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 I'm giving that a tick. Really? Okay. Yep. Yeah, After absolutely. the performance last weekend? Yeah, he won the World Cup in the last year. Yeah, so, and then he lost to New Zealand within 12 months, 30 yeah, nil. Yeah. Worst performance by the Australian team yep. ever. Would you re-sign him? Have a look at his record. Look you, at his record. Would you re-sign him further than next year? Uh, you know where he's leading with that. Where's the next World Cup? When's the next Three 2020? Years. No, it's 2020. I'd sign him for two more years. 2026 okay. two more is years. three years. Yeah. Like his record as Australian coach is... No, it may be 25. His That's record 26. as Australian coach is about 95% win ratio. So I'm oh, saying Oh, yeah, yes. but Sats. Oh, yeah, but Sats. Look what we're playing. Mate, it's okay. the minor. We, we play the minor Okay, so what, do we just throw then, anyone as coach because it's easy? I'll throw anyone as coach. You're saying, well, it's, wow. look who we're playing. You just throw anyone in as coach. Tonga have beaten us. New Zealand have beaten us. So, and we did win the World Cup, which was a really yeah, good performance, right? I'd sign it for two more years. Two, yeah, but then that leaves Uncle Wayne out, and Wayne will be in a nursing home by the time. <laughs> Why do you love Mao so much? Because his record, and you're scared of him. His record at Origin level and his record at Test level is phenomenal. Who who's the one who's going to tell him that he's no longer coach? 
That's the big question. <laughs> That's right. No, but I think he's he's done enough. What he's done with the Australian program and Fair enough. making the green and gold jersey the, the priority now amongst players, where they they once thought that Origin was the, the pinnacle as an individual player, I, I, I think his record alone is is enough to, to get him another couple of years. You're probably doubt. right. Yeah. You're probably right. I'm just jokes. Mal, stay in the job as far as I'm concerned. Right, next one. Are you asleep over there? No, I'm just I'm just listening. Did he look like he was asleep? No. I'm just listening. He's engaged. I don't talk over my peers. <laughs> Does there need to be an annual Anzac Rugby League test match? Yes. Can we get a tick? Every year? Do you think every year or not? Yep. Every couple of years? No, every it, year I'm, I'm calling. You're saying every year? Yeah, I agree. We talked about this last week. Yeah, I like it. Even Stacey Jones. Were you here the night? Was that Rat and I? Stacey Jones. No, Stacey, yeah. Yeah, he even wants an Anzac Day. Do you know, we test. heard Ronaldo Mulatalo make a really good point after the game the other day. He said, Peter Volandis, if you're listening, we need more test rugby league because we sit back and watch the state of origin, mm. which is the best of the best, but we don't get enough games. So, And the other Kiwi players were saying it also. But you say that when you're full of adrenaline after a win – but then you all go back as a as part of the Rugby League Players Association. You say, we're playing too much rugby league. So if they want to play an Anzac test and they want to play more test matches, it's got to be driven by the players and the Rugby League Players Association. Yeah, well, that's that's what the question's based off. Yeah. The, the New Zealand players crying out for more games. Absolutely. And probably not so much Australia versus New Zealand, but New Zealand versus Tonga versus Samoa. Well, there's versus... no reason why those Pacific nations can't play each other when State of Origin's on. Yeah, absolutely. So on that weekend. Mm. But in saying that, as a New Zealand player, you want to play the best. You don't You don't want to put on that black jersey knowing that you're versing a second-tier nation. You, well, want right. to, you want to verse a... No, sh- you, want, you, you want to wear the, the black and white or green and gold against Russia. If that's your only test you're ever going to play, you don't care. Um, and I, I agree, if they had a weekend where it's just origin, one of the origins, mm. and that is Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, um, Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, for example, all playing on that one weekend as well. What a great festival of rugby uh, league. And Australia New Zealand can still play Anzac Day. Yeah. They just don't, uh, the Australia, whatever day that falls on, the Australian players don't play that round. Mm. It's that simple. It really is. Yeah. It's curtain razor, it's a state of origin, North but, North Island versus South Island. But it's got to, but it's New Zealand. Nah, who cares? Oh, but I, I think it's got to be driven by the players. If they want more Test footy, the players got to drive. No, it, but then play a combination of Samoa, Fiji, and Tonga, New Zealand. Play a hybrid side. If you want to play a New Zealand state of origin, you'd have to play Auckland versus the rest. Yeah, right. yeah. That's where they'll come from, right? Most of yeah, them. Yeah, and then you wouldn't get enough players out of the South Island. What about the Kiwis versus the All Blacks in a hybrid game? Oh. How good would that be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just sitting here giving them ideas. Pete, forget what, Vegas. What would be the pre-game entertainment for that game? Yeah. Foot rot flats. Dave Dobbin. And herbs. There'll be plenty of herbs. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Toolkit Depot. Everything you need under one roof. Tools, equipment, and safety gear. And workwear in store and online. This is Off The Bench Summer Edition. We'll be back soon. Time for a racing update for Racing Queensland. Racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. <laughs> Check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. What are you doing, playing the drums in the background or something? <laughs> no, yeah, just a bit of tapping, a bit of toe tapping. Well, you like your song. Uh, Nelso, the, uh, we'll get into Queensland racing 
in just a moment, of course. Um, remember, what could you be buying instead? Nelson, it's been a pretty big um, Melbourne Spring Carnival. And, of course, the last day is Saturday. It's Champions Day. It is. Uh, we've got three $3 million races at, uh, at Flemington on Saturday. Uh, and they are going to be very well, very competitive races. They've got the likes of Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside and Imperatories going around, the star New Zealand sprinting mare. So all eyes will be on Flemington once again for the end of the carnival. But, but guys, we've got Antino going around at Rose Hill for $2 million as well. Jeez. So don't forget that in the Five Diamonds race. So he's been very unlucky. Uh, well, he's won once and placed three times this campaign from his four goes and two of those runs he should have won. So... Hopefully, he can land the big one. And I'll tell you what, looking at the form, he maps beautifully. He gets a lovely run. Uh, I think he'd be very hard to beat. I'd confidently say he'll be winning that race. Weather-wise, what's the weather looking like in Queensland? Weather's beautiful in Queensland. Not so good in Sydney, but in Queensland, uh, we're in for a fine and sunny weekend. We're racing at Doombin. Uh, we've got 10 races there. Look, we've got a race there. Race number eight is the Keith Noud Quality and it basically signals the start of our uh, summer carnival because it officially starts next Saturday at the Sunshine Coast uh, with the Malula Bar Cup. But this is a pretty good race on on Saturday as well. So it's funny, isn't it? Uh, Melbourne and Sydney finished, you know, click of a finger, it's all gone. And then suddenly we're into the uh, the summer carnival up here and it'll be Magic Millions in two months. Hey, Nelson, can you tell me with like rugby league players and AFL players have, a, have an off-season, which is usually around you know, October all the way through September, October and November. What is it for our top jockeys around the country? What, what are their classes, their off-season? And horses. Well, that, they don't really have an off-season these days okay. because there's so much racing going on. And if you're a jockey, you might miss out on a ride somewhere. So it's very hard. So when they get a suspension, you might find that they'll, um, they'll go when they get a suspension and have a bit of a break. But, um, but other than that, no, nah, they don't want to lose a ride anywhere. So they sort of keep riding all year round where they can. Mm. Is it the same with horses as well? Like some, some horses will perform well, better in summer rather than winter? Well, some, it, horse, the carnivals used to always be Melbourne Spring, Sydney Autumn, Brisbane in the winter, and they go around like that. But with Sydney having all these extra races and pop-up mm. races these days, they've really cut in on the Melbourne part of the, uh, of the spring. Some of it good, some of it bad. I mean, a perfect example was all those dance races on Melbourne Cup Day, which yeah. were, in my opinion, ludicrous. Big dance, little dance, and barn dance. I mean, <laughs> no one really cared about any of those. It was all about the Melbourne Cup, I would have thought. Um, so where do horses go for their end-of-season trips? Are they in Bali? Are they, where paddocks. do they go? Oh, paddocks. <laughs> right, okay. They go to paddocks and they eat grass. Right, yeah. This is getting stupid. Well, they've got no opposable thumbs, it so is. they can't, they can't like, type on their phone to... Oh, book a... Can't go on to Flight Centre yeah. to, to book... Flight. Good calls. <laughs> that's. Yeah. Hey, listen... Um, well, see, that's... Yeah, what? Apart from the Gold Coast and Doombin, was... where else are we racing yep. this weekend? I'm moving on, Nelson. We're racing at... Toowoomba in the Twilight Zone on Saturday night. We've got the Cooktown Cup. That's a fair way from Brisbane. The Cooktown Cup on Saturday afternoon as well. We race at Chinchilla. We race at Esk. Ilfracombe is a picnic meeting. Moran Bar, or Moran Bar, I think it is. Uh, I think Gatton on Sunday. No Sunshine Coast on Sunday, but there is a meeting there uh, next Saturday, of course, which is the Malula Bar Cup, as I mentioned earlier, the start of the Winter Carnival. So all this money that I won over Melbourne Cup on Tuesday, what am I putting it on yep. this weekend? You can put it on race three at Doombin, number seven, midnight in Tokyo. And 
We'll have a little uh, multi there, Sats. We'll go race three, number seven, into race eight, number 10, Zarastro, in that Keith Now, of which I think Tony Gollins won the last five or six runnings of that race, and he trains Zarastro. So I think he can make it six out of the past seven and throw Antino in as well in Sydney. Okay, and congratulations for April in Augusta. I didn't even know it was racing on that? Saturday, and yeah, it got up thanks. at very good odds. And what do you own? The, 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 the back end of the tail, is that your percentage? 2.5%. It was controlling right. share. Yeah. It's a toenail. Nice. Rightio. Well done. Congratulations, <laughs> Nelson. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Uh, check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. Certainly is an exciting part of the year. And it just ramps up in yes. Queensland over the next couple of months as you settle now. So thanks for your time. Pleasure, guys. Enjoy your weekend. That's it. That's it. We've got to go. Uh, thank you to Nelso. Uh, enjoy yourselves, folks. We're out of here. We'll catch you Monday night from 6 for Sports Day.